but we see an amazing array of wonderful gifts. Wonderful gifts. And they were extremely expensive. But their significance is mainly in that they brought the gifts because they were prepared to worship the king. A Christmas message is what I have for you today. We'll be turning to Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2. In Matthew chapter number 2, we're going to be reading from verse number 10 to 12. So, Matthew chapter number 2, verse 10 to 12. Here's what it says. You could follow along. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now, I think the wise men, when you look at a nativity scene, is one of those fan favorites. You know, you usually have your shepherds, and then you have your wise men right beside them. And they've become somewhat of a fan favorite over the many centuries. And when it comes especially to the nativity scene, uh, you know, th there's some really different types of uh, ideas that people come up with. Now, the interesting thing is, even to the earliest of Christians, they also had certain beliefs about wise men. The wise men, they played an important role in a lot of how the Christians viewed uh, Christmas. And they even went as far as giving each of the wise men names. There was the wise men named Melchior. He is known as the oldest of, wise, of the wise men. Usually when you look at the, uh, the nativity scene, Melchior is the one with the, uh, the white beard because he was old, you see. He's also the wisest. And amongst them, Melchior is usually the guy who brought the gold. And he was, um, of the three wise men, he was the most experienced. And some have even said that Melchior, he might have been a king from Persia because of that word Melchi, which means to be a king. So he may have brought the gold. The second one, oftentimes they call him Casper. Casper, he was of the Magi and he was uh, the second oldest. He's usually the one with the red beard. And some say, oh, Casper, he might have been uh, of Indian descent, perhaps, or uh, still part of Persia, but uh, perhaps of Indian descent. And they say that he might have been the one who brought the frankincense. And he has this nice long beard uh, that's also reddish. But now the third one, his name was Balthazar. Balthazar, he was a Babylonian magi, is how they put it. And he was perhaps the youngest. And some go as far as saying that he may even have had darkish skin, almost like an Afro-American skin tone. So he is the one who they say may have been the youngest of them. He may have not had a beard, but he would have been the one giving the myrrh to Jesus. 
So if you can imagine with me, we have this wonderful multicultural caravan, you know, making its way from the east towards, uh, towards uh, Jesus. And you can imagine also perhaps servants that are following this caravan because these, these were elites, right? They were uh, very wise men. They were from the king's courts. So they may have had servants that were also following them along. And along with that, you can imagine, you know, Balthazar is asking Melchior, are you sure you've made all the calculations? I mean, look at the star, it's at that angle. You sure, you sure? Yeah, I'm sure, just trust me, bro. And they followed along, right? As they were going towards uh, the west. Now, something amazing that's also recorded about these wise men in the Bible is that they are the first ones recorded to have worshipped Jesus. Which was very interesting. Because as we know, Jesus came first for the Jews. But it would seem the Gentiles worshipped Jesus before the Jews did. And you can see it in these wise men. Now, mind you, these wise men, they also teach us some principles when it comes to wisdom. These wise men were more than just smart people. And we are going to take a look at that today as well and see how we can be wise people ourselves, especially when it comes to our walk with God. So let's open up in a word of prayer and then get right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the wise men, men who came from the east um, following a star by faith, it would seem. And Lord, I, I do pray, Father, that we as well would take steps of faith in our lives, especially as we learn from these wise men how perhaps we can grow wiser in our own Christian life. And as we seek after your wisdom, I pray, Father, that every one of us would be attentive to the message, that you would get a hold of our hearts and help us to draw closer to you. I thank you and praise you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, first... What we have are these wise men. These men that the Bible calls wise men were, as I had mentioned, they're from the king's court, right? So oftentimes, those who came from the king's court, they were men of much influence. They were the elite of a big empire, perhaps, or a kingdom. Their jobs would have perhaps been to philosophize. They're the one with the philosophy, they were the ones usually who would be the scientists, the ones who would try to deduct or make logical conclusions. And they were oftentimes part of the court with the king. And oftentimes, when the king would need counsel, these guys would be the ones that the king would call on. So sometimes they acted as astronomers, and sometimes they acted as astrologers. Now, there is a difference, but other passages in the Bible also calls them magi, right? And what does the word magi kind of sound like? The word magician, right? So sometimes they came off as magicians. But countries like Babylon, countries like India, countries like China, and others in the East have always had a culture that was built around zodiacs. You know what I'm t talking about here? They had a culture that was built around reading the stars. And they require wise men. 
Those are the guys who did it for them. These educated men that were in the elite society, they were the ones who were asked to interpret the stars. And then they would say, what is the divine asking us to do? What do we do now? Right? So the wise men were these men. Now, because they understood that there was an additional star, all of a sudden, imagine with me, they're looking towards the west, and they see a star appear out of nowhere. If your job was to try and deduce what the stars meant, and all of a sudden a star appears out of nowhere on the west, your job is now on the line. Because you have to try and figure out what is that brand new star doing there. So, imagine with me, highly educated men following a star, perhaps for many years, perhaps for many months, perhaps for many weeks, following a star from their countries. And oftentimes, you know, astrologers, you know this, they come off as charlatans, right? But something about them, specifically these wise men, we know that they weren't charlatans. These men were truly seeking truth and wisdom. They were real wise men. How do we know this? Well, take a look at with me here. At the end here, verse number 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. The common charlatan would have found Jesus and would have gone after the reward money. But not these guys. They were able to deduce that there was something wrong with that king, King Herod. But when God warned them in a dream that they were, they were wise enough to understand that they perhaps should not report it back. And there is often a quote, especially during Christmas time, that floats around, especially if, on, if you're on social media or something like that. Wise men still seek him. And I've come to really love that, that quote. Wise men still seek Christ. And isn't that the case? That's still the truth. God loves wisdom. God loves wisdom. And wise people... Love God. God seeks after wise people, and wise people seek after God. See, the integrity that these wise men showed shows us that they may have grown in a different culture, but wisdom still comes from above. Right? Proverbs 1, verse, uh, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 2, verse 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Let's understand for a moment here that you have made, because you are sitting here today, a wise decision. Amen? You've made a wise decision. You who are in this place, who have come to learn and come and draw closer to Christ, you have made a wise decision. Therefore, you're a wise people, which is a good thing. Now, how does a Christian gain wisdom, though? They need to first place a priority on God. 
there needs to be a premium placed on seeking after the understanding of the holy. Because in Proverbs verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Some have asked, what is the difference between being smart and being wise? I've often answered this question with, well, being smart is knowing that the tomato is a fruit. Being wise is knowing not to put a tomato in your fruit salad. Okay. <laughs> there are some incredibly smart people, you know that. There are some incredibly smart people in this world today. But oftentimes they have rejected God. And they've rejected God and perhaps that's one of the most foolish things that they could have ever done in this life. They think that they have the whole world figured out. But when God is presented to them, they reject him. Romans 1.22 even talks about it. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. These wise men from the east, they clearly understood what true wisdom is. Because they were seeking after wisdom, and when they found God, they got down and worshipped him. Wisdom truly came from God at that point. So where do we find wisdom? As Christians, where do we find wisdom? Let's take a look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It's the book of the law. It's the Bible. The Bible. This book will not deceive you. God will not lead you astray. You can trust in God. You can trust that a wise God will help you to make wise decisions. So that's number one, the wise men. So now let's talk about this star. Now, as I had mentioned, in many ancient cultures, the stars would have to be understood. And oftentimes, they would say that when a star appeared, or when a star is discovered... It could be the beginning of a new king. Many Eastern religions had this belief. In many Eastern cultures, they have their own form of astrology too. The event of a brand new star appearing would have signified the birth of a very important person. Even to this day, there are Eastern cultures that make those connections. They read the stars to figure out what type of a name to give their children. Now, I just thought I'd plug this in. I came from an Eastern uh, culture. And I had asked my mom and my dad, hey, where did my name come from? And at some point, they told me, oh, it came from Hindu astrology. <laughs> 
Well, in writing this sermon, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if it was actually true? So I did. I looked up the Hindu astrology for the specific date that I was born, at the exact hour that I was born. You have that? The first slide there? So in this slide, it's a Hindu astrology calculator. I put in all my information, including where I was born. So it has to figure out the specific hemisphere according to where I'm at, because that's how star reading happens, right? And I thought, okay, well, they're just going to pull out something out of nowhere. You know, it's not going to be real. (laughs) Go to the next one. This is what it came out with. And I was like, huh, that's very interesting. So how Hindu astrology works is you tell the wise person at the temple, your child is going to be born, and this is the hour and everything, and then they come up with a name for that child. Okay? So my name had to start with those two vowels. Uh, Syllables, excuse me. Go ahead to the next one. And sure enough, a bunch of names with my very similar names as mine showed up. You probably can't read it, but I will explain at the end of this sermon what my name actually means. Okay? It's very cool, I thought, but it's also kind of scary. In Eastern cultures, though, they use zodiacs very much to come up with some kind of name scheme for their children. Now, imagine with me these wise men. They saw a brand new star on the west side, and they're trying to read these. They have to come up with names, perhaps. But the interesting thing is that they started following these stars. The zodiacs and their meanings played a massive role in the majority of these Eastern cultures' lives. But a brand new star appears in the east and makes these wise, sorry, to the west and it makes these wise, pers- wise men curious to the point where they had to leave their homes and go on a journey to seek it. They, they accepted upon themselves a trial to go through. Perhaps we can make the case of how the brightness of the star could connect to Jesus, especially because one of the titles of Christ is that He is the bright and morning star. But this message is about the wise men. How far are we willing to go to learn about God? How far are we willing to go to learn about Christ? Being a Christian requires work. It's not easy. But what we can see from this text is that when we seek after God and find him, even in our darkest of times, we can have joy. Turn back with me to Matthew 2. And look at verse number 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Isn't that an amazing promise that when we are going through, through trials, tribulations, in the darkest of times, Jesus is still with us. 
Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Hebrews 13, 5 says, for he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. 1 Peter 1, 6 says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. True joy, true joy comes from trials. That star which the wise men followed brought trials. No doubt they had to go through deserts. No doubt they had to face people who challenged them on this star that they had to follow. But they found true joy when they saw the star and they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It's not the star that had the value. It was the Jesus that it led them to. May our journeys also always end in joy, no matter the darkness. And then finally, there is the gifts. The gifts, can't forget the gifts. Because these wise men, they did not waste any time. They saw the young child and they recognized Christ's deity right away. Whole man. Their whole life had amounted to this very moment, it would seem. And it it was beautiful. Perhaps they opened up all their wares. Perhaps they took down everything off their camels. And they were just, we got to get something. We got to get something. Because we have found God. But I think we are also given clues that they didn't have to look around for their gifts. I think these men left their homelands knowing that they were going to meet someone special that they were with the intention of honoring deity. They knew that the star they saw was not your average star. That there is something far bigger and more significant. We know that they were prepared for worship because of what they gave. What, are they, what did they give? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now gold we know. Perhaps it was a giant amount. Enough to fund a trip to Egypt, which is where Jesus had to flee when Herod was pulling off a massacre. But frankincense, the word frankincense comes from the word frank and incense. Frank means of high quality. Incense means to burn or that which is set on fire. We have words like incendiary. Incense, right? It would, so frankincense would be harvested from the boswellia tree as a resin. What the harvester would have to do is go up to the tree and go to the specific spot in the bark. Then he would put a cut into the bark and they would go off, perhaps do it to another boswellia tree. But then a few weeks later would come back to that same bark and then put another cut And eventually, resin would flow down, and from the heat of the sun and all, it would harden. They would take this resin, and that's what became frankincense. The resin would eventually flow, and they would harvest it. Frankincense would be used to be burned for ritual purposes, only to be burned inside the temple or tabernacle. 
In Exodus chapter 30, verse 34 and 37, to 37, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, states, and anica, and galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shall there be a like weight. And I'm going to skip over to the end of 37. Ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. So frankincense was extremely expensive. And these wise men, why in the world are they carrying around frankincense? Because they knew that they were going to have to give it one day to perhaps God. Then there is the myrrh. Myrrh was another resin that came from the myra tree. Myrrh is often used to flavor things like wine or meat to give it a very nice aroma. In the temple, the priest that would be anointed with oil would have first mixed oil and myrrh. That scent was to signify that it was a Levite that had been consecrated. Its aroma was also often used to mask the smell of someone who had passed away. In the embalming, they would use myrrh. Even uh, there was a point in the book of John where Nicodemus brought myrrh to embalm Christ after Christ had died to be buried. The gold, as you know, I had mentioned it, could be, was to be used perhaps for the trip to Egypt. But we see an amazing array of wonderful gifts. Wonderful gifts. And they were extremely expensive. But their significance is mainly in that they brought the gifts because they were prepared to worship the king. When we meet God, it is important to bring a gift. Giving is a way to honor God. In Matthew 6.21, it says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We can't all afford expensive gifts, right? We can't afford most of the time frankincense. Maybe today we can, but we can't always bring an expensive gift. But perhaps you may think, wait, do I have to bring a gift every single time I meet with God? Well, the truth is, you can. And I want to show it to you in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When you come to God, you can bring a gift. The gift is yourself. Present yourself to God. He could do his perfect work in you. Some of the poorest people in this world were the ones that held back. The ones that held their heart back from God. They didn't let God have his way in their life. And they ended up becoming miserable. 
So I'm going to conclude here. This Christmas season can be a life-changing Christmas season. Perhaps you are a Christian that had come to church and had wondered if you were ever missing something. May I suggest what the wise men did? They first sought after wisdom. So seek to learn from God more in daily Bible reading. And the second is, though the trials seem long and difficult, we can rejoice. Because don't despise your trials. Your trials will one day end in rejoicing. Trials are just a way to have joy. We need to see it that way. And then finally, bring a gift to God. Best gift that you can give is yourself, your heart. God is well pleased with a person that really gives their life to him as a living sacrifice. The wise men had no idea that their journey would bring them to meet the greatest person in the universe, Jesus Christ. They didn't know. They were just following a star at first. But then eventually they met Christ. And their story of their journey is still talked about by billions today. And uh, many thousands, over the many thousands of years. There are some wonderful truths that we have learned even to this day with these wise men. And you too could be a wise man or a wise woman. The wise men may have sought after a star. And I promised you I would tell you what my name meant. Eventually, I found out, but the build-up to it was after I got saved, after I became a Christian, and after I found out, oh, my name came from astrology, I want to change this. Uh, I wanted to change the name to Michael. Seemed like a cool name at the time. Just be quiet, Danella. It's a good name, okay? But I went to Sri Lanka because I had this burden to reach to my relatives, reach out to my relatives. And one of the pastors there, he was a national pastor, he was able to speak Tamil. And he told me, wow, you have a really good name. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm going to change it to Michael. (laughs) Well, what he told me was, turns out your name is very biblical. Your name is found very much in the Sanskrit Bible and in the Tamil Bible. Whenever you find the word divine or beautiful, it's the word deviant. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Now, wisdom, when it comes to wise men, there is one way we can be wise as well. I want you to take a look at this wall. Soul winners ministry, he that winneth souls is wise. That comes from Proverbs. He that winneth souls is wise. The whole idea behind soul winning is to search for other wise people. Essentially, that's what it is. Wise people seek after God, but wiser people seek others for God. There is nothing that will ever match the growth of a Christian who is willing to share the gospel. There is nothing quite like soul winning that will help a Christian to mature faster. If you want to be a Christian who grows 
exponentially. Come out for soul winning. Come out for flyering. The wise men are still talked about today for what they did by faith. Therefore, serve the Lord by faith because it will be the greatest thing you ever do. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.